0: But our relationship is such I can actually be my true self uh, in conversation and I think it's important for anyone who is navigating just this, this season, this life, this journey to have someone that you really can be fully yourself with
1: welcome 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 everybody thank you for joining us in our conversation Um, we are just so excited that you guys thought it was um, a good use of your time to join us and hear our conversation that we're going to have today they're actually very excited for my name is Joanza finellis i'm one of the leaders with the unseen collective Um, and yeah i'm just really excited to get into our conversation today i'm going to pass the mic over
2: Yes, I'm here as well. This is Tiffany Sainville. Thank you guys so much for joining. As you know, the Unseen Collective is a group that has come together to try to just very simply shed light and make room for uncomfortable conversations, uh, be a safe space for people to really share their stories, share their heart in an effort to bring about healing to the body of Christ. We have to hurt together in order to heal together. So that is our hope. And um, we are hype and excited to have two wonderful guests on with us tonight so I'm going to ask Kimberly and Carolyn to go ahead and introduce themselves um, and share whatever they'd like to about who they are and where they're from.
0: Hi my name is Kimberly um, I am on staff at before church I have a new title I'm the for Racial Reconciliation lead and um yeah, I, the group that Carol Ann and I lead um, for racial reconciliation, we've been co-leading for over a year together.
3: And I'm Carol Ann Tsai, and I'm the resource pastor at Beaverton Foursquare, B4 Church, and I co-lead for racial reconciliation, and I am so excited to find other places in the church community that are talking about it.
1: Now, when you say talk about it, Tiff, can you intro like how this whole thing happened, how this collab and this beautiful like partnership even came to be?
2: Yes, um, I was sent an email um, that Carolan reached out because we've been listed on the Cause Networks with him, Foursquare. So Carolan was like, "Hey, love to get to know you guys, love to connect with you guys, see how we can partner together." And we had one amazing conversation. And it felt like family. It really did. It it didn't feel like I was talking to two strangers. It felt like, oh, yeah, these are definitely my people out there doing the work, showing up in the uncomfortable spaces, um, regardless of who's showing up alongside them. And it was just it was really beautiful to know what's happening, not in my community, because, you know, what's in front of us is what we're familiar with. I I don't know anything about Oregon so it's it's a wonderful place for me to learn when I get to connect with people who are in a completely different context Um, so that's kind of how this started but after that first conversation I'm like we have to have them on a podcast people need to know who they are what they're doing what's going on in Beaverton and how they can support join in and pray for these wonderful women so on that note can you guys Share with us, what what is for reconciliation, for racial reconciliation? What exactly does that mean to you guys? What's the heart behind it? Where did it all begin?
0: Do, Do you want to I was looking at you. <laughs> uh, I'll start, but, and then you jump in. Um, I think Carol Ann and I talked about creating a space just for people in our church community to come together and have a conversation around what does race look like? Um, our church majority is majority white. Um, and so, um, for us, um, seeing people of color and allowing them to have a space to come and connect was, I think probably the, the heart of it. But then we realized, um, that we just can't all sit in a room and all look the same. We need, uh, to have a mix of race in the room so that we can all learn and grow. Um, and that really is the picture of the kingdom. And so I don't think that we were trying to create anything that was um, special or unique. I think we're just trying to model what what it is and what
3: does God want us to do. So, And part of that is modeling working together uh, across the racial divide of black-white uh, to put in, in front of people an image of what does it look like to work together and, and to lead together and to lead equally and, and share share the, share that role.
1: So aside from the very obvious uh, American culture in 2020 and things that could lend itself to needing scrum conversations like this, what did you guys see right around yourselves? That was the cause for this to even start.
0: Well, the way that it actually really launched uh, launched was um, we didn't do a good job of recognizing Martin Luther King's birthday, black history month. Um, And some people in our congregation of color asked, you know, help me understand how we missed this. And from there, the conversation started um, with our lead pastor and, and out of that conversation, um, I think eyes were open to see that, you know, there are people that are worshiping with us that don't feel like they're seen, and we can't go another year, or another cycle, with not acknowledging the obvious. The obvious, um, and of course, we live in Oregon, and so we don't have a, a large population um, minority population of black population, I'll say. Um, and unlike maybe, I don't know, people who live here, I grew up, um, hearing about moments in history and, um, Martin Luther King's birthday was a big deal. Um, I graduated from, um, uh, uh Spelman. And so for us, it was history, historical black history was, was huge. And to come here to not hear it and to not um, acknowledge it um, was a is a is a problem. And so I think it's just trying to bring awareness. And I think we're that's really what we're trying to do.
3: Yeah. And I grew up in Memphis, and I was shocked when I moved here because it is very white here culturally, um, and it was such a topic of conversation there. It it was more normalized and here racism is so subtle that people miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, um, I've been told, you know, racism doesn't exist in Portland. Yeah. They still say that. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, it does. And it, it's almost a harder battle here because it's mm-hmm. so subtle that it's easy to overlook mm-hmm. um, if it's not happening to you. Yeah. The, the,
2: The microaggressions, the subtlety definitely makes it a lot more difficult um, to address and to battle. So how do you go about bringing that to the surface where people begin to actually recognize them as microaggressions and as racially based issues?
3: Oh, well, let us tell you. (laughs) We've had to educate a lot of people. I have been asked countless times, what is a microaggression? um, by, by many people. So we actually, in our group, showed a video that explained what a microaggression was.
0: And even at this point, at the end of every group meeting, we will ask before the meeting ends, where have you seen microaggressions in the last month? Share them, you know, tell us where you've seen them, uh, so that we can talk about them. Um, they come, and I think it's, now they expect the question. So they're looking for it. The people in our group are actually looking for it.
3: And it's gone from looking for it in TV and news to looking for it in your community, to looking for it in your environment and in the restaurant you're eating in. The grocery store. Yeah, it, it's moved from the, the social level to the individual level.
1: Wow. That um, is first, that's when I just want to applaud the the courage it takes to say something that's very obvious first has to be pointed out and it has to be broken down in a bite-sized piece like to even say let's watch a video on this um i know many people who i either grew up with or who just like my friends um, who really struggle with race conversations they're not willing to even sit down and have the conversations to explain because their thing is like well It's not my job. You know, you do the research, but I love that your mission and your vision is to say, no, we're going to do this together and we're going to figure this out from all different races, from all different backgrounds, what this looks like. So we could identify it in our community. Like that is huge. I love that much, much, much appreciated that. Now, so we, you've probably piqued so many people's interests. Um, and some of the work that we've talked about up to this point, um, When someone says, "I want to be a part of a for reconciliation conversation," I want to enter into this. What are they getting themselves prepared for? What does one of your meetings look like? What should someone's mind start getting geared up for when they say, "Okay, yes, I want to be a part of this conversation"? Um, I think your
3: seatbelt. Just kidding. You (laughs) have no idea what you just signed yourself up for. No. Um, (laughs) I think our goal in doing this has all been about community and creating a community. The first year we had, um, and it's there's no curriculum, there's no book telling us what to do. It's all the Holy Spirit led. Um, we spent a lot of time praying into each meeting. Um, the first year we spent educating, what is bias? What is, what is racism? What, what are the experiences out there? So um, we also had two potlucks and a game night because part of community is knowing each other and getting to know each other and eating together is my favorite way of getting to know people. So, um, so we did that. And I think if you come to a meeting, we have multiple ways for people to share their stories. Mm -hmm. We have icebreakers that, um, pull. It's the only time I make everybody in the room talk. Um, but I ask a question about who they are. Um, and I do that in a way that teaches them to ask questions of each other. Um, so that we learn from each other we have every meeting we have someone share their I am story um, and really tell in three to five minutes who they are where they came from what where has God shown up in their life Um, what have they walked through Um, those are powerful those are those
0: are probably I think one of the most powerful things that we can do because we've also talked about how important it is to hear each other's stories and we don't get, get to negate someone's experience and someone's story. And that's part of the rules. Um, we've got four. We have four rules. Four rules. And um, one of those rules is you you don't get to tell me that my story is not true and it's not real. Um, and if you, if, I mean, yeah. So anyway, that's that's the the one thing that we find is really important. And I think I shared the other thing that I'm, that we say in, in the group, I think I shared it when we were on this last call was, you know, empathy breeds, um, proximity breeds empathy. And you can't empathize with what I'm experiencing or what my experience has been, um, as a black woman, if you don't know me. And so I don't expect for you to feel my pain if you don't know me. Um, so I want you to know fully who I am so that we can be in a relationship together.
3: Um, I think that's
0: also a picture of the kingdom.
3: So, but, sure. and then the rest of our meetings, we have, um, again, we spent the first year a lot on the education of what is microaggressions, what is biased, what does it look like? Um, and the first, uh, four months of this year, we spent in foundations of, um, the Bible and diversity. We talked about unity. We talked about love, um, and we talked about what unity and love look like together. Um, mm-hmm. And then we ask our group to send in the hard questions, the ones that they're embarrassed to ask um, the ones that though, some members will contact me and ask me privately, That they won't ask me, they won't ask her um, <laughs> and it happens. Um, I get it. Um, but we're, we're ready to answer that in community. Um, so we've, We are diving into some really hard topics, and this last week we dove into one, and people Mm -hmm. stayed in the room. And I think that is the biggest win for me, Mm -hmm. is that no one got angry and left. No one shouted and slammed the door. Um, We stayed in the room. And And they specifically said in July they
0: don't want to miss the next meeting, so we've shifted our date so that people don't miss it. We move, we're moving into the next set of hard questions. That we had four that night and we only got through one. Wow. It's really, really beautiful. It's beautiful that
2: you guys are so intentional about drawing people in and making sure every voice is heard. Because I do know from experience that when race comes up, if there are multiple uh, ethnicities represented, Someone's usually quiet because someone doesn't want to be the voice of opposition um, or have their experience or their opinion or their question taken out of context and become offensive to someone else. So it's super important to create that safe space and to say, hey, it's cool if you're uncomfortable asking this question, you can go ahead and ask me in private and then we can talk about it in public. I think that's that's a really wonderful approach that personally I probably never would have thought about. Like, hey, submit your questions in private. That that really wouldn't have crossed my mind because I would have worked so hard to create the safe space that I'm like, why don't you guys feel safe? So I, I think <laughs> I think that's a really, really dope concept um, for anyone to be able to apply. Now I'm going to ask an uncomfortable question or a potentially uncomfortable question. How do you guys reconcile walking in relationship with people that you experience racism from within the church? Because we expect that pain from the world, but we shouldn't have to expect it within the church, but it's here it's here. So how do you navigate that? How do you walk through that? Any, like as far as you're comfortable
0: with sharing. Mm. With humility, with forgiveness and with grace.
3: I take someone to coffee with me on those so that I have accountability. Um, Yeah, because I, I get in my feelings Um, and I have to work at it. But then I, and I've said this to Kimberly, I don't want to have the group be an echo chamber that just thinks like me. Um, I don't want the church to be an echo chamber that just thinks like me. I need people with a different opinion to help me learn and grow. Um, And so I I work hard at, I want the table to be big enough for both of our opinions to be there. Um, Mm. Yeah,
1: Yeah, mm. no, that's powerful. And even hearing like the nature of how you both share, I could tell that you guys have had some conversations with each other that have got you to this place where you're able to now facilitate the tension with so many other people. Um, and that's I, I want to hear a bit more about that, because even <laughs> when you were sharing earlier and you were like, yeah, they don't she doesn't they don't talk, they don't ask me about that. Like, uh, And I, I feel like there was there was such a ah, there was such a moment in there that I want to like rip off a layer of real quick. So how has that been um, navigating this conversation from a black woman's perspective, from a white woman's perspective, um, doing this together, um, being literally embodiments of tension in America today, holding tension um, in conversation and um, leading this thing together when you guys are doing so much good healing for people? Like, can you talk a bit more about your dynamic together? in leading such a, um, hot bed of conversation.
0: I'll start by saying, I'm grateful that I have a safe place to go in Carol Ann. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's hard. Um, It is probably um, one of the hardest things that I navigate because I feel like I represent people of color. And what I don't want is I, I don't want our people to be misunderstood and or labeled. So unfortunately or fortunately, I take that mantle or role, um, with a level of humility. And I think I started by saying grace and forgiveness. Um, that is the posture that I take, um, because I let her get (laughs) at, um, and I do. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I don't. It's not that I don't. Um, but I. But our relationship is such. I can actually. Be my true self. All of my true self. With her. Uh, in conversation. And I think it's important. For anyone. Uh, who. Is navigating. Just this. This season. This life. This. This. I don't know, journal to have someone that you really can be fully yourself with. I mean, obviously, you know, we can go to the Lord with everything, but I don't think that he put us on this earth to not be in community with each other and to find your people and your person. Um, and she's my person. So that's how we navigate it.
3: I know, I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> um, I. It, it's hard for me, and I always say the hardest thing about it is not wanting to cause pain. Um, and I do get angry, and, and I probably hold on to that anger a lot more than Kim, but I can. Um, and it's hard for me as my eyes get opened to it more and more and what I see and how I see the only black person on staff and what that means and the weight that that carries that, that infuriates me. Um, So I walk in that and also not wanting to say too much so that I cause more pain. Um, And I will say that every day, every week, I learn more of my white privilege, um, which can't be easy for Kim to have to navigate and reveal. Um, But it's been really helpful to have a safe place that I can say, hey, man, I really screwed up and I had no idea and I'm sorry and help me learn. I want to get better. And she has enough grace to let me do that. Yep. That's us. That's
2: really beautiful. You guys model um, godly relationship really well in that. Because when we go to God, it's not ever a thing of like, mm, sorry, you screwed up, dismissed. Um, it, it's it's welcoming. It, it's embracing. It's come, bring your pain, come bring your brokenness, your incorrectness. Um, so I, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for seeing that. We live in a pretty diverse community, I would say, but within within our church, let, let's just talk about our church real quick. Within our church, our pastors are white, and then we have maybe like two or three other people in the congregation who are white. Everyone else is Black, Hispanic, um. Lots of our beautiful Haitian community is represented. Um, uh, We have lots of people from Jamaica. So we have lots of cultural diversity within our church, with the exception of our pastors. (laughs) They're they're in the minority, you know? So for us, the experience is very different. So I, I love to hear it and I love to see it because one thing I know, like our pastors... Will throw down when it comes to race issues. I don't ever have to question that. That's never a second thought in my mind. Um, before a word would come out of my mouth, they would be front and center. So, you know, uh, do you guys have any other suggestions for church leaders who are in um who are in less diverse communities and how they cannot put that weight on someone in Kim's position where she now carries the entire burden for all of the people of color everywhere, or at least it feels that way because I'm sure in their mind, that's not what it is, but ways that they can kind of ease that tension with, without it being inauthentic.
0: I, I actually don't have anything. I I don't have any suggestions. I feel like, you know, we got to this place in in our our society where we're saying, oh, just read a book, read a book. It's not about reading a book. It's about creating a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't know how you do that if there aren't very many people to create a relationship with. And I'm not saying that I'm going to be that person for yeah. everybody. Um but, you know, finding someone to be in relationship with that doesn't look like you. And I think we've said that before, but it's true relationship. It's not just, it's not superficial, can't
3: be superficial, right? Yeah, and that takes time. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight, but it's going to happen through those relationships. And they don't necessarily always have to be on staff. Um, I'm not saying don't hire diverse, because I will preach hiring diverse all the time. You need to hire people that don't look like you. You need your board of directors to have people that don't look like you on it. But I think first you surround yourself by friends that don't look and think like you. And, and form deep relationships with them and be willing to say and have the hard conversations about what's going on in their lives. Um, I had someone ask me how do they teach Jim Crow laws to teenagers and I said if you don't have a black friend, don't teach it um, um, because you've got to talk to a person that has an experience. Um, and so I would say the same thing to a pastor. Get a black friend before you start talking.
1: That's so that's such like a a well-worded, like yummy thing in my head right now. Like I love I love that. Find someone who has that experience. And so often, like, that's what a silo is, right? You're in you're in one kind of location setting, third place, with just people who have a very specific experience. And you could talk all day about people outside of your cute little silo. But until you find someone and invite someone um, inside of your space who has a different experience, preferably one that's so different that it might rub up against yours, your 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 world will be as big as your silo, and I love that 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 articulation. Even when you were talking earlier, Carolyn, and you said, "Man, I came to Oregon and it was very white." Like that's such a that's such a like I could tell you've done some inner work and you've done some like introspection to be able to be able to see outside of yourself. Because I've been to a predominantly white institution where people said white people don't have culture, uh, which has its own levels of problems, right? Uh, so you even being able to be that introspective to look around and say, oh, no, I know this is an issue, though I am the dominant culture, though I do have a lot of privilege is huge. Um, I would love to hear some testimonials, some things that some people have have really come to understandings about walking away from some of these meetings, some things you guys have heard and I was like, yeah.
3: Oh. Well, let us tell you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I don't mean that in a haughty way. It's just interesting that you asked that question because we have received text messages um, and emails, like we said, from our our last our last meeting that we had. Do you want to read? Do you think it's okay? He'll be f- okay if you read.
3: I think so, because I'm not yeah. going to tell you who cool. said this, but someone in our group just texted me. Um, uh, I, let's see. I'll just He sent me a video, and then he said, there's another video segment about racial reconciliation and how it has to cost us something for it to be real. I thought it was really on par. I'm really glad we have that group. It's a huge blessing. Not easy, but so necessary. Um, and then I got an email uh, last Thursday from someone who who doesn't attend the group, but gets an email with our resources that we send out and thanking us just for the resources because it gave them something in their church to talk about. Um, and I think the feedback has that I've heard. We've had people say that it's their community. It's their it's their people. It's the place that they feel safe. Yeah. And we've had people that don't go to our church find it somehow on the web because they were looking for a church that's talking oh, about right. race. Yeah. Um, and so we've had several people that it's been their first experience with our church. And maybe only experience. Yeah, I think it's the only. Buffet. Always. That's
2: what we're here for. Can I ask another uncomfortable question? <laughs> hey. Um, how would you respond to someone who says blacks and whites have come oh, I got so that far that last week. Why do we still have to talk about this?
3: <laughs> oh, good. So you you're a common question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Statement, statement, statement. Yeah. Do you want to give them your grace filled answer? <laughs> No, I think you're doing good. You go on. I, <laughs> I invite them to the group. Um, I invite them to hear the stories from my black friends um, and listen to the stories with an open heart and then we'll have the conversation about how we don't need to talk about it. Um, I, I ask them very much the same thing that I would say to a pastor. Is like, listen to these stories, have this friendship, and then we'll talk. Um because you can't listen to the stories that I do of people being pulled over by police, of of being followed when they're shopping, of being told that they don't, their friends aren't in the restaurant, because why would you be meeting white friends? Mm-hmm. Um, so, do I tell them our, our story? You can, we were shopping. Um, we were, I
0: wanted to go to this, um, pop into this furniture store, and we walked in together. Was it? birthday weekend I can't remember it was birthday weekend weekend and so mine and um I was dressed
3: in she's dressed I was dressed she's yeah and (laughs) I don't dress I mean I was but it was (laughs) t-shirt
0: and um and so we walk in and he starts asking her what she needs help with um
3: I and need help with a lot, but I did not need that.
0: <laughs> but it's one of those things, you know. I um, design is was is part of my uh, part of my role, uh, but it's also part of my passion, and it's um, something that I do on the side. So some interior decorating, some fashion design, just that is the world that I that I love and that I'm somewhat passionate about. And so it was just kind of interesting. Just given the situation that he would talk to her in flip flops and jeans, and just the presentation, right? And I think that's what, as a mom, I am, and obviously married, I'm married, and my husband is a black man. We instill in our young men how do you show up, how do you how do you leave the house, and how do you show up when you leave um and so I just it just made me laugh I was like okay and we talked about it when it was when when we walked out of the store because I walked out she yeah she she left she she left but um no I let him know that I was I was the one that was looking for the the furniture and wanted to uh, had questions about rugs and carpets and it was at that point that he shifted and the conversation shifted but it was just interesting we go many places together and it we experience something on a regular basis on a regular basis but the cool thing about it is we can leave and talk about it and we pick up on it pretty much
3: instantaneously yeah yeah so and so i think sharing those experiences with the people that say we don't need to talk about racism it's fixed we fixed it in the 60s why are you still talking about it um sharing these stories of my life and the pain i see in my friends face when these things happen then we can talk about it listen to the stories hear their experiences and then we'll have a discussion um and that's how that's how i address the problem or the question
2: It's so good. So good. Uh any closing thoughts or Juwanza? Any closing questions? Oh
1: man. Uh there... it's everything. I I'm loving so many things one. about
2: <laughs> I, yeah. hearing
1: your story, what you got? the work you guys are doing, <laughs> the work you guys have done within yourselves, the story that you guys bring individually, the narrative you guys bring together. It's, it's so dope. Um, but what I would definitely want people to have leaving this conversation is how can they get involved? How can they get invested? We have someone possibly listening to this who is just like eating this up as much as I am, <laughs> and they're like, "How can we get involved in for racial reconciliation?"
0: Invite us to your to your venue. We love to facilitate um, the conversation. And I think what we realize what we realize is that there aren't enough churches having the conversation, and the church is the first place people come. To figure out which direction they need to take for all things and if we don't have an answer for them as christ followers then where are they going to get their information and the last place i think we want them getting it from is somewhere that's not going to be filled with love and grace and the holy spirit so if i'm going to help you navigate a tough situation or a tough conversation my hope is that you would you would come and that you would seek it out. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't
3: yeah, don't know if yeah, that, that's 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 I mean, what I think. We we have the ability now, thanks to COVID okay. and learning how to do Zoom, um, to facilitate meetings so, in a in a variety of spaces and times. Um, and so I think the opportunity is there and we're we're willing to help walk beside groups that want to to get there if they're not and they're welcome if they're located in beaverton to join ours yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but but we know that your listening audience is is broad broader than that um and so we could we can find a way there's always a way
1: yes yes always a way we definitely want to make sure we put all of the pluggables so people can stay in contact even get plugged into some of the resources that you're blessing people with who can't even join the zooms, the zooms, all the things. We want to make sure we put that in our show notes uh, so people can get in, in touch with you guys if ever necessary. Is there any closing things that you want to say to anybody who might be listening, um, from any walk of life?
0: Go
3: for it. Miss profound thinker. <laughs> yeah, <not> like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just applaud anybody who's listened to this and made it to the end and because I know that that means you care. Um, you care enough to be at the table to enter into a conversation that most people don't want to have, most people run from. And so for you to sit through 30, 40 minutes of us talking about things that are painful, um, that's amazing, and I thank you for doing that. And um, yeah. And I'm excited that you're here. I agree.
0: Um, I would just say um, party words, stay in it. Stay in the conversation. Uh, Don't shy away from it. Um, If you have a perspective, um, if you have a perspective and you are seeking the Lord, then share that perspective with your friends and family. I think that all too often we sit back and we say, Oh, that's just how uncle Joe is. That's just who he is. But uncle Joe needs to be corrected. So find your voice, find your courage and find your strength and speak up. Um, because uncle Joe can even change. And I say that for all of the 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 people who have family members where they feel like the next dinner the next thanksgiving is going to be uncomfortable because they don't want to be surrounded by the the negative racist comments then say something about it don't sit back and let it happen um so that's that's what i that's what i would say speak up use your courage use your voice